0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, The queen of the south will rise with the men of this generation and she will condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it because of the preaching of Jonah they repented and there is something greater than Jonah here. The gospel of the Lord. Yeah, a little bit of uh, context or uh, positioning here, at the Gospel of, of Luke, where um, Jesus is uh, very close to His interaction with the Holy City, yeah, so this is, um, you know, what, what's leading up to, um, you know, the, the full revelation of, of the glory and power of God in His death. And resurrection, right? He knows that he's he's going to bear the burden of the many, and in this case, uh, the unrepentant many, uh, those to whom he he has preached, those uh, who who otherwise ought to have been receptive to his word, have rejected him, his way of peace, and the rest. And uh, and what awaits is what awaits is destruction. And of course, him him bearing it in his body, and then uh, say carrying the burden for the, the newly-fashioned people of God who are members of his body. Uh, but then later on, those who have stood against him, who then simply, you know, simply in, in God's eyes cannot stand, right? The, in, as Jesus is uh, implementing the, the kingdom of God, which he came to establish, that nothing ultimately can stand opposed to that kingdom and to God's way of life. And so there's, these are somewhat mournful passages, right? as, as, why, I mean this is, I think this is something to note, you know, for, the, for those of us who perhaps have had a, have a hard time coming around to the idea that, you know, Jesus' way is the way of self-giving, it's the way of love, and we, I, I don't know why we have a problem with that, it's probably because we have problems, you know, it, is, is, is do we, can we depend on love? Is it is it strong enough? Is it power? Of course, it's the most powerful force in the world. But we're we're broken, right? We're damaged goods, and so it's very hard for us to to believe it or th- or to think that it's anything but but soft and 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 all the rest. So, but we have we have Jesus living living this way, and here, right? If if he if he were not to have been say animated, uh, say possessed by the Spirit, animated by by God's own life of love, by charity, right? If he, if he wasn't the embodiment, the second person of the Holy Trinity, then we would expect him to come to the Holy City and say, you know what? You guys, right? Whatever, <laughs> insert your word here, you guys, okay? We, you know what? It's over for you, okay? I am powerful and I will destroy you. But it's not what we see, right? These are mournful passages. Jesus is, you know, in, in, his, in his guts, right? He's, he's stirred to compassion for the people and he's and he's continued to preach the way that he preaches. He continues to live the way that he lives. He continues to bring God's mercy to life for people who are keen on rejecting him. These are these are very painful passages uh, for him. Okay, and and I think I think we, it should be also very painful passages for us as well. And we'll we'll get into that a little bit. We don't We don't expect Jesus to start you know, a, a speech as the crowd is growing around him. We wouldn't really expect him to start a speech by saying, "This generation is an evil generation. you know It's like, you lost the crowd right away, right? No, no, he's, they're listening, they're listening to him. They're, they're they're attentive to him. And the sign, the sign of Jonah and the rest. okay. there's a, I've talked about it a lot. When was it like two weeks ago or something? We had the same we had the same exchange of uh, readings and, and, and the gospel and the rest. So that's somewhere on the internet you can find that. Now, I, don't want, I don't want to repeat most of that. This, this sign of Jonah thing, I always find very elusive. I, I know there's like there's low hanging fruit on the sign of Jonah, right? Because Jesus says, it seeks a sign, no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah, okay? Now we think, okay, three, three days in the belly of the fish. Yeah, this is Jonah, right? Three days in the, yes, it is, okay. Okay, let's make a Lenten resolution together. Give me some feedback, okay? Give me some, give me some... I don't know where I am. I'm totally lost here. Okay, yes, three days in the, in the belly of the fish, okay? And then we think, okay, easy enough. Jesus, three days in the belly of the earth, right? Jesus, three days dead, and he's rising from the dead. Okay, so let me say, that's the low-hanging fruit. We, you want to hang out there and say, this is a sign of Jonah, okay? I'm not totally convinced, actually, I think, that, I think there's a lot more going on, and I want to offer just one of those things. There's, there's a whole bunch of other things going on. One of the things going on here is an us and them dynamic. Okay? Whenever I get into this, you're like, oh, this is problematic. These are long homilies. No, okay, so us and, the, us and them. What was the problem with Jonah? Right, it was us and them. So Jonah saw the non-Jewish Ninevites as unworthy of the call even to repentance because he knew that if they repented God would show them mercy because he knows who he knows at least to some extent who God is and he spends the entire story running away from him cuz why because, why because he doesn't want God to show mercy to the Ninevites the non-Jewish Ninevites because he has he has the wrong understanding of what it means to be God's chosen people right this is for us Okay so we're better than we we want to be more powerful than we have to be above them right so that is a very sharp us and them okay what happens of course it is preaching they they repent and they receive mercy okay so what in the, in the context of this passage very similar things are going on with Jesus with Jesus if if you uh, this is the 11th chapter to to verse 32 and if you follow it after there's some stuff with like Jesus invited uh, by, um, by a Pharisee. Now, there's this interaction with, with, the, with the Pharisees, and it's all us versus them stuff, okay? And so Jesus is saying the traditional lines of us versus them don't hold, okay? This drives people insane, right? Absolutely insane. Just as it drives some of you insane, when you think, wait a second, Father, I've been playing on the right team for a long time. How? What do you mean? It's not us versus them. I've been playing on the long on the right team for a long time. It used to. I used to think of, like, when the, when the Yankees were in their heyday, I was like, yeah, the, it, like, being, being a member of the Catholic Church, like, being on the Yankees, you know, you're just going to go out there and win the World Series every year. You know, like, we, we, have this, we have this perspective of, like, well, we win, okay, well, we know we win if, we're, if we are following Jesus, right? And the, and the whole kind of machinery of the Catholic Church, like, the, I mean, everything, everything that, that the Catholic Church is and provides is an aid to our trusting and following Jesus and living as members of His body, like living in this very close personal relationship with Him, having this love story, say, written out of our lives, that we say we have as a result of our falling in love with God and and giving ourselves over to Him whole and entire. It's not like, you know, as, as we hear from time to time, well, you know, I was born Catholic, have you ever heard someone? I see. I have all these difficult conversations with people. It's like yeah, I'm glad you don't have them. You know, it's like, I was born Catholic, Father. I do not think anyone was born Catholic. You know, like you got to be baptized. You got to be baptized Catholic. You know, you're not say born. But I understand. I understand because it means different things to different people, right? But that's it. That's the challenge of, of the words and the way that we use them for our benefit. To, whether it's puffing ourselves up, right? This is, that's always like the ego thing, is like puffing ourselves up, kind of uh, trying to cover over our, our weaknesses, our insecurities, and, and things like that, or, or it's a matter of actually, yeah, we feel like very weak and broken and we need something to defend us against the onrush of the world and that thing is, you know, my identity is this thing, that thing, or the other thing, and very often my identity is this thing, that thing, or the other thing is really a contraposition, right? It's a, it's a juxtaposition against someone who's not this thing, okay? Anyway, the us versus them stuff is like good and evil, isn't it? This is like, this is what it comes down to, good and evil. So for Jonah, the Ninevites are evil, right? And the Jewish people are good. This is his people are good, and those people are evil, okay? In the context of Jesus' passage, you have the Pharisees and their little religio-political pressure group, they are good, and their agenda is good, and the rest are evil, especially the people that Jesus is consorting with, right? The sinners. Sinners who were, you know, chiefly collaborators with Rome. So tax collectors and prostitutes, we hear this all the time, but they're, they're collaborators with Rome, right? Against, against the interests of the Jewish people. So they're enemies of Israel, which means they're evil, okay? We do this as well. And I'll leave it to you, because, of course, the homily is going to get ridiculously long. I understand it's already long. It's going to be ridiculously long. I'm not going to get into all your stuff, okay? Thank, Thank God. Okay, so this is, we do it as well. We do good and evil, and we do us and them, yeah? The problem is that the line of good and evil is not out there somewhere. It's in here. It's in you. That's that's where the line is. It's not out there somewhere. That's very safe, comfortable. I'd be glad, right, for that to be the case. It's just not the case. It's here. And we need repentance then. This is what I think gets a bit closer to the sign of Jonah. Because the traditional boundaries then are pulled down because the Ninevites are saved. Right? The traditional boundaries are pulled down. Those who trust and follow Jesus are saved. But where are we? You know, where is our center of gravity? And then the season, the, again, the season of Lent, right? It's, it's given to us for exactly this purpose. It's given to us to repent. Okay, let me do an us versus them thing. I, I'm just, I, had it, I have it on my mind, not really as an us versus them thing, but it's going to upset people, okay? Martin Luther said, I know, see, I already upset you, right? This is it. This is tough. Martin Luther said, growth in in Christian maturity comes only through repentance. It's hard to hear your enemy speak truth, isn't it? You know? Now, you might not have the same enemies as I do, because I'm like, ideologically like, (laughs) Martin Luther, totally bad. Okay. Okay. But not in, this, not in this case, yeah? This is not it. This is not it. And, so I, and I don't even need to look at those lines of demarcation because they have nothing to do with me. I'm not judging Martin Luther, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. But the truth is the truth there. Right, the Christian maturity, growth in Christian maturity comes through repentance. What does it mean? We have to let go of our way, and we have to go God's way. We have to let go of the ways that we're habituated to, and we have to go God's way. And that's the challenge that's in front of us all the time in the scriptures. This is Jesus leading, saying, Go my way, go my way. And it's, it's actually not even as forceful as, sometimes it is, but mainly it's not as forceful as that. It's, it's, an, it's an encouragement, it's an invitation to go the way of God, to go the way that Jesus went. And so we see this is, this is it. And especially as the season focuses as it does, right, draws to a conclusion on the passion narrative and the rest, going God's way means washing people's feet. Right? Going God's way means embodying God's mercy, all the way to the death, if that's what's demanded of it, right? So it's, again, it's ours to live the lives of great and costly love that we see Jesus living all the way to the death. We have the easier side of it. We simply have to trust him and follow him, yeah? And then we're not so concerned with, you know, whatever these, whatever these distinctions are and whatever these, these walls or boundaries and the, and the rest of No, our eyes are just on him, and we're going to go his way. And of all the ways that, that, in all the ways that we're not going His way, we repent of. But it doesn't mean we wallow in self-pity over. We, we keep our gaze on Him. and We allow Him to transform us, um, to have hearts uh, like unto His. We put our hearts so close to His in prayer and in the works of fasting and almsgiving. We put our hearts so close to His that they begin to beat with His. Right? We, and then we begin, to, we begin to live with Him. We live as members of his body with his own spirit animating and sustaining everything we do. We go out to live the lives of of great charity in the pattern of Jesus himself.